The Modern Tire Dealer Show is sponsored by MTD 10, the training and education network. Formerly DSB 20 Group, 10 is the most progressive, comprehensive resource offering tire dealers the solutions, connections, and training they need to reach their goals. From one-on-one coaching and 20 group networking to real-world on-site problem-solving and exclusive content, 10 offers an all-encompassing approach to education unlike anything the industry has ever seen, one that will ensure your business succeeds long-term. Learn more about what 10 can do for you and your business at mtd10.com. Welcome to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. I'm Ron Ledger, Managing Editor of MTD. This week I speak with Danny Smith, the owner of Same Day Tire and Auto Repair. It's based near Tulsa, Oklahoma. He has seven stores. And what's really interesting with Danny is uh, he's been in the business for a while, but a little over a decade ago or so, he had a culture change. He decided to really look at how he was doing business and how he was treating employees and how that culture change has really changed everything for him. It's been very profitable, but it's also been very fulfilling to him personally. And with everything that's going on in the industry right now, as far as hiring technicians and keeping them, we thought that a conversation with Danny Smith would kind of hit the right note for everyone and possibly give some ideas to other tire dealers out there. So we hope you enjoy this interview and uh, let us know what you think. And let's get right to it. Well, I wanted to have you on on the podcast to talk a little bit about the the culture you have for your for your stores. Uh, I know uh, we've talked in the past a little bit just about kind of some changes you've made over the years. But I guess first off, for our listeners, can you kind of just describe how you got in the business and uh, you know where you are now? Well, I was just an automotive technician working for a a, a dealership, and uh, I did that for many many years. And then uh, I felt as if uh, the culture that I was experiencing there was, uh, man, it was everybody against everybody, it seemed like. And uh, I felt like that uh, I could give a customer a better job at a cheaper price and this, that, and the other. So I, I decided just to venture out on my own. And uh, I learned real quick that uh, just because I could fix cars didn't mean I could run a business. And, uh, you know, I faltered around and I made every mistake you can make and stuff like that. And then uh, I had to just self self-teach myself how to be a manager and manage my business and stuff. And I've been broke twice. And uh, 9-11 was a, a rough rough deal, you know. Everybody experienced that. And then uh, as I progressed through um, this year, uh, July, I'll be uh, 26 years. And uh, we have seven stores and about 85 employees now. Um, so if anybody has any ideas on what it's like to find employees for seven stores and stuff like that. I think I could uh, probably answer the questions. <laughs> and uh, so the challenges that we're up against nowadays uh, are completely different than they were in the past. And uh, so we've had to open our mind and uh, open our, uh, just because we always did it that way doesn't mean it was always right. So things have changed. Right. But here I am. Now you said, uh, You've said in the past that I there was a point where you almost were going to sell, and then you kind of uh, had a different viewpoint come to you, and that kind of spurred some of the culture. I thought if you can kind of run our, our, our listeners through that. Yeah, you know, um, we get approached about once every three or four years, and I would imagine most of the uh, multi-dealer stores out there are being approached by the uh, investment groups. Um, automotive repair is uh, can be very profitable, and they've recognized that, so 
the big national chains have tried to buy us. And uh, now these investment groups are trying to buy us and they're offering, you know, some pretty crazy money, you know, in the past, if you could get five or six times your EBITDA, um, that was a, uh, a big deal. And it was, you know, you usually would sell. Now they're offering 10, 12, 15 times your EBITDA. And so it's, uh, something tells me that they know that we should, we should be profitable and that it is a profitable business. So, um, you know, that's, uh, we didn't sell and we could, we could have, and mm-hmm. multiple times and me and my wife would have came out really, really good. And, uh, you know, you think about that, your technician, that's wife stops at the local convenience store and grabs a gallon of milk and she reaches in her pocket and pays for that gallon of milk and never thinks twice about where that money came from. And he gets up in the morning and he goes to work and he never thinks about that door not being open or chains not being on the door. He doesn't even think of the place not being there. And it became a responsibility or it should be a responsibility. It should be a moral responsibility for everybody that not only is your employees relying upon you, but their wives, girlfriends, significant others, children or whatever. So if I've got 80 some odd employees, I'm basically supporting 240 people and 240 people are just expecting that place to be there every day. If I sell it, I've lost all that control. Now, is it my responsibility to babysit these people and take care of them? No, it's not. It's not anybody's, but I chose for it to be my responsibility. And so, uh, you know, it may, other people may be thinking that, uh, that's not what they would do. Well, that's fine. That's uh, just because I'm doing it different doesn't mean that's the right way or the wrong way. It's just the way I'm doing it. So when I started doing that, I changed my culture around to where I wanted my place to be everything that I wanted to work for. And so I had to take a long, long look in my mirror, you know, and, and determine would I work for me? And the answer was no. Um, I was a, uh, I, I would almost call it the military style. Hey, I said, do this and don't question me, just do it. And that's the complete wrong way to do everything. And I had to learn because I was going through employees like you can't imagine. This was years and years ago. So about, about 10 years ago is about when it was. And I changed my culture and I changed around that if my wife won't go in the shop bathroom and use the bathroom, then why would I expect my employees to? I start there. And then I started how, how I talked to my guys. Would I allow anybody to talk to me that way? And I changed my culture around. And uh, I've got a waiting list on people to come to work for us. So the culture, it was, it's not, that does not change overnight, but neither does losing weight, but you got to start somewhere. Right. Now, when you say you had to start somewhere, what, what were some of the areas that when you started this you know, years ago to kind of change that? Like you know, anything in particular where you looked at first? Yeah, the very first thing I did is I looked at about how I was treating people. And this is a, a great uh, experience for everybody to look at. Is Let's think of the minimum wage person or the $10, $12 an hour person, the tire wrestlers, the oil changers, the lot porters, the floor sweepers, the janitors, and everything else that we have all throughout our industry. Look at your fast food the kids that are in fast food or the adults that are in fast food and look at how they've been treated. 
we, we, me included, I treated them as though, Hey, if you can't do the job, if it's too hard for you, too hot or too dirty or whatever, fine, hit the door. I'll get another one because they were lined up out the door. I had in this endless supply of people and the pandemic changed everything because people went home because they made more money at home with the money that was free given to them, you know? So now this workforce is coming back into the workforce, but they're not going to allow to be talked to that way. They're not going to allow to be treated that way. And by the way, they're going to be 15 to $18 an hour now. And we don't have this endless supply of those people. I haven't had that problem because I saw it a long time ago and I'm not some kind of brilliant idea guy. I just wanted to do it how I wanted to be treated. And uh, so I changed my culture a long time ago and it's going to require everybody is they're going to have to treat these people with dignity and respect, you know, and then your, your expensive, you know, your 50, 80, hundred thousand dollar a year, $150,000 a year guys, you know, your prima donnas that everybody has in their shops that they, you know, they only put in enough effort to, to make their money and then they don't care about anybody else. We have a ton of those. The problem is, is, your culture or their culture rubs off on everybody else. It's like a cancer. It's contagious, you know? So we had to change, not allow other people to talk or to treat other people within the organization without respect and dignity. And we started there, you know what I mean? And then, uh, you know, people don't quit bad jobs. They quit bad management. And uh, obviously I was a bad manager. So I had to, I had to start with me and then I had to make sure my managers and my stores are doing the right thing. And so we can stop the turnover, you know, the turnover, once you experience how much it costs to train somebody and get them to where they're productive in your business, that amount of time and that amount of money spent before they become productive is a cost. It's the cost of doing business. You multiply that every time you have a turnover and that becomes a really big number. So you got to figure out non retention. First of all, is how do you retain your, your current employees? And then you have to change your hiring practices to eliminate making a bad hire. And then once you get all of those pieces and systems and processes in place, then as you're also building your culture, then you end up where you don't have the uh, turn, turnover. You also will hire good employees. Your product that you put out the door is a much better product. So it's, it's just a win, win, win all the way around. Right. You know, and and uh, how, how does this, you know, um, obviously the workers are enjoying that. If you, you know, if you, with you, like you said, with a, a waiting list of folks looking to, to work with you, how does that translate over to the customer? Like how, how are the, you know, how have you noticed over the years, the customers look at your business and your workers and things like that? Anything in particular that stands out there? Yeah. You know, years and years ago, I didn't want any of the customers talking to the technicians because the technicians would could obviously or possibly say the wrong thing or completely contradicting what I was trying to sell to the customer. And so you didn't want that. Now it's open door because we all speak the same language and we're all on the same page. It takes systems and processes to get that into place, but we use a language and everybody goes through the training on how to, how to talk and how to communicate with people and why we use the words that we do. And then, yeah, it's self-policing too. These guys won't allow another another employee to do something incorrectly. 
whether it be talk to somebody incorrectly or whether it be put out a bad product or put out a, a, a shoddy service. So um, I, I don't have to manage it all the time because it's self-managed because everybody likes what they got. Now, granted, we pay uh, competitively better than everybody else. Our benefits packages are better, but that's not why people come to work for us. You know, people come to work for us because um, they hear about our culture because we have it on every social media platform there is. If it's a guy's birthday, he gets a birthday cake. He's a grown man. When's the last time a grown man had a birthday cake got to, given to right. him? <laughs> we do it. How about their anniversary? A guy's anniversary with his wife. We take a picture of them and their wives at the every Christmas party. So we have this massive amount of photographs of all these people. And then whenever it's their anniversary, we make a post on social media and then we give them a gift card to take, go to dinner. Um, it's crazy. It's a $50 here, $80 there, or, or a $20 little cake or something like that. If there's a death in the family, we take care of uh, the flowers and making sure everybody has got plenty of time off work and stuff. You know, uh, the time off work, that's a whole nother subject is, uh, they, you know, the statistics say that 47% of your employees want to quit their job right now. 47%. That's why a big number. Not, <laughs> why, are they, why are they not quitting? Okay. Well, they're not quitting because obviously they financially are obligated that they need, need the job. Two is, is that's convenient logistically to wherever they live or, or home or whatever, or next to work or uh, childcare, whatever logistics. And the other reason they don't quit is it's just hard to leave something that you're comfortable with, but they still want to quit. There's 47%. If they had something change, they quit, they quit you in a heartbeat. So that's scary. I mean, that's a scary number. So if you can fix that number right there, you can sleep at night and go to work the next morning and not have to call and go. So who didn't show up today? Comes up as the most important. What do you, what do you look at there? Paid time off, not time off, paid time off. Right. So we just revamped our uh, vacation situation. Uh, we were the old standard one week after a year, two weeks after two years, and that was it. So about three, four years ago, we came up with the PTO, um, paid time off. And it's, uh, it's a lot for a payroll clerk to, to manage so um, we just axed that idea and now they get an additional week of paid vacation and they get an additional five days of paid sick time. Now that's a lot of money. If you got 80 employees and if they are averaged a thousand dollars a week, that would be $80,000 a year. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a lot right. of money. So is a training of a new employee. See, here's the deal. So I'm going to hire a new, a new employee. It costs me $1,000 a week. Let's just guess. That's just average, $1,000 a week. So for four weeks, he's training on point-of-sale systems, finance systems, how we talk, systems and processes through the shop, just everything you can imagine. So for four weeks, he's training before he's becoming a productive employee. The guy that's training him is two grand a week. You see what I'm saying? Right. I got, I got 12 grand. In it in the first thirty days, and then and that's for one. <laughs> yeah, and let's let's just go and let's say, 
six weeks, uh, seven weeks down the road, the guy says, you know, this isn't for me. And he quits. You know what I mean? And then we start the process all over again. You see right. what I'm saying? For and sure. Then, you know, and let's say it's a technician. And generally you think you hire a technician and he comes in the door and he immediately starts producing. But he doesn't produce 100% for at least a month because he's still list, li learning your systems and processes and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And three mm -hmm. or four weeks in the road, he quits and you're looking for another one. How much money do you spend searching on Indeed and ZipRecruiter and and all the different websites and and word of mouth and you're posting on social media looking for your deal? That all costs money. There's an expense there, whether it be time or or a subscription or whatever. Now, how do you um, keep yeah. yourself up to date on <laughs> the latest changes and keeping yourself in a situation where um, you feel like you're ahead of the game so that you're not trying to play catch up. Yeah, it's uh that's nonstop. Um, so revamping and relooking at our pay time off and our vacation stuff. Um, what can, where's our pay? Where's our labor rate? We've raised our labor rate three times in the last 18 months. Um, and it's not even phased anybody. If if you're not raising your labor rates, you're way behind mm -hmm. um, because gas prices have gone up three times in the last two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yep. A gallon of milk, you know, I don't know where everybody lives at and stuff, but for me, I went and got a gallon of milk the other day and I don't do the grocery shopping. My wife takes care of that. And I stopped and got a gallon of milk. It's been many years since I bought a gallon of milk. And when they told me how much it was, I like to die. I was like, holy cow. <laughs> so, yeah. um, if anything justifies your raising your labor rate right there, right there tells you, but right. you're, you know, uh, the very first thing I have to do before you ever go hire or go to try to hire anybody in your advertising that you're going to give people this much money or this much bonus or sign on bonuses or this kind of benefits package, you had better be offering that exact same thing to your existing employees first. Right. You know, I had one slip through the cracks not too long ago and the guys worked for me for about eight years. Really good guy. And we hired a guy in and whether you think so or not, your employees will talk to other employees about pay and this, that, and the other. Come to find out the new hire that we hired in was at $2 more a flat rate hour than the guy that we currently had. And you don't think there was a little bit of distrust oh. and stuff going on there? Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it, it got by me, and it, it just flat got by me. And I knew about it, and I had given the guy a raise like five months prior to that. And uh, I sh and the guy that came in wasn't actually reality as qualified as the guy that I already had. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I was eating some crow with some salt and pepper on it. Yeah, definitely, like you said, keeping track of what you have and, and those and all those pieces in place as well as you're, as you're looking ahead. Um, I kind of asked them about the customers a little bit before. How, how does your culture actually uh, work with the customers yourself? Um, I know we talked in the past about marketing and things like that, and you say you don't necessarily market in the traditional sense. No, we're a little bit different there. So um, there's nothing better than word of mouth marketing. Nothing can even come close. So if you can make the experience a, a wow experience. We're in the, the opportunity of a lifetime right now 
with the, the current situation with the pandemic and now this this uh, political war thing going on and stuff like that. The shortage of people, the shortage of workforce is widespread. So everybody has got accustomed to subpar service, subpar customer service. Used to, you went to a restaurant. If you had a bad experience, you didn't go back. Now you go back to three times because it's pretty become acceptable for subpar customer service. So this is our opportunity. Our opportunity is massive right now. And I've explained this to all my guys and stuff like that. If you have just exceptional, outstanding customer service and stuff, it is so much more impactful today than it would have been 10 years ago. Now it is like unheard of. It's a rarity that somebody has the oh my God moment after they've bought something that they didn't want to buy, like a set of tires. You know what I mean? You know, and if it's a unbelievable experience like that, then your your word of mouth marketing will explode. Listen, I'm on five years now of 15 to 25% growth, five years in a row. Okay. I'm doing that with the language that I speak. I, I canceled all marketing for a year because the phones were ringing too much. Zero, zero marketing. No radio, no direct mail, no email, no social media, no nothing. I turned it all off for a year because my guys couldn't keep up with the phones. Now I've now I'm back to doing some of that and stuff like that. Um, this economy is going to make a little bit of a turn. It's got to with the inflation being as high as it is. So I have to be a little bit proactive here. But I mean, we have to start somewhere and the way we talk and communicate to people um, is the, you know, every time anybody's upset or mad at an automotive repair shop is because there's lack of communication, whether it be on the customer part or on our part, it's our job to get out what we need information wise. So we don't have that happen. So exceptional customer service is by far and away where it's at. If somebody calls in and we say, I can help you with that. And then we do whatever we can to help them with that. doesn't matter if they, their car won't start and they can't get to the pharmacy to get a prescription. Then I guess we're going to go to the pharmacy and get their prescription and take it to them. And that is what separates us from everybody else. And yeah, it's uh, an expense and it can be a big burden sometimes, but it is what it is. And you take it as part of doing business, you know, right. so it's, and to, say, and to, it like, to wrap up here a little bit, you said you, you kind of uh, try to stay on top of things. Is there anything uh, that you're looking at right now specifically that like you haven't implemented, but you're like, you're intrigued by the, the conversation or the, the possibilities, anything like that right now? Yeah, so everything is moving digital. Everything is moving to texting. So language is taken out of it. Uh, we all know how texting can be misleading because without body language and inflection on our words, they don't have the same meaning as if you read it in a text. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? So we're looking at, um, we do a lot of stuff by text now. We do a lot of our digital inspections and everything by texting straight to the phones. We do credit applications straight to the phones. Everybody is living in the texting age now, so we don't have that opportunity to, to talk to them. So in general, we are using uh, this texting thing is new to us, so we're really having to embrace it and try to figure out the best way to 
to go through it and still keep it short and sweet because that's why everybody likes texting. For sure. Well, Danny, I appreciate the time. Uh, I know, uh, as we said at the beginning, technicians and hiring them and keeping them is definitely a, uh, a big issue right now in, in the entire industry. And I'm sure uh, getting some different perspective from you and some thoughts can help uh, other dealers. So I appreciate your time. And again, I, I thank you for being on the Modern Tire Dealer Show. I appreciate your time and effort. The Modern Tire Dealer Show is sponsored by MTD10, the training and education network. Formerly DSP20 Group, 10 is the most progressive, comprehensive resource offering tire dealers the solutions, connections, and training they need to reach their goals. From one-on-one coaching and 20 group networking to real-world on-site problem solving and exclusive content, 10 offers an all-encompassing approach to education unlike anything the industry has ever seen, one that will ensure your business succeeds long-term. Learn more about what 10 can do for you and your business at mtd10.com. Thanks for listening to the Modern Tire Dealer Show. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love for you to follow us on all your podcast apps, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the apps out there that have podcasts should have our podcast, and there's a spot on each of those apps to follow our show. So if you do that, you'll get notifications each week when we post our next episode. And again, we'll have a podcast for you next week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.